Hello and welcome to Shameless, the celebrity and pop culture podcast for smart women who love dumb stuff. You're joined, as always, by Melbourne journos, Zara McDonald and Michelle Andrews. Journos. Journos. Hi. A bit bogan from you there. Coming up on this week's episode, our thoughts on Nick the Honey Badger Cummins as Australia's sixth bachelor, the 20-year-old influencers who love Botox and filler, and the public shaming of Tammy Hembrow. But Zara, first, how was your week? Not a bad week, I have to say. Really? A bit overwhelmed by the uh, wealth of reality TV out there for me to consume. It stopped for a while and now it's just gushing just at us. totally overwhelmed. We've got Survivor, The Bachelor, The Block, all my favourites. And I'm not a huge TV buff either. Mm. So I'm really finding myself quite stressed by the choice. See, I've got to say, I've been quite selective. I'm only watching The Bachelor. I don't have time to sit down every single night and no, watch The either. Block again. I did it last year and it's a big commitment. It is. I watch a little bit of The Block for work. Um, and I, I have to say Survivor's still top of my list. Bachelor's fallen right down the bottom. Really? Yeah. But other than that, look, it's taken me three weeks to not be sick. So I'm, I'm coming to the quite logical realization that you cannot keep running if you're sick. And I don't mean actually running because I don't run. <laughs> you can't but, do that either. I, no, definitely not that. But I just had this arrogance in assuming that if I was unwell, if I just kept going, it would just seep out of me. I feel like that's a very manly thing oh, to do. And I think every my body just kept telling me to stop because everything kept going wrong, started falling apart. And you're the type of person where you're very busy. You like to be busy. Well, I'm just, well, this is what, this is what I'm grappling with this weekend is that I can't do anything. Like I know I cannot do anything. I really should stay inside, but I already have preemptive FOMO for probably nothing that's going to go on. I feel like your throat will thank you for a quiet weekend in. Yeah, it will. Anyway, how was yours? It was good. Good, good, good. Um, Freelancing life is interesting. I'm not sure if I said this last week or not, but some weeks are very quiet or more quiet. And then I have some weeks like this week where it is madness and it is frantic and I'm run off my feet writing a million different things at once and working on a different million different stories at once. And that's going to be now for next week as well. So I'm kind of just buckling myself in and preparing myself for a bit of a turbulent couple of weeks. At least you can kind of schedule in coffee dates to break up the day or whatever to, yeah. keep, to sort of, you know, recalibrate. Well, I was worried when I first went freelance that I would feel lonely because yeah. I'm such a social person. Like, you know what I'm That's like. what I was really concerned about too for yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I was concerned about that, as I said, but it's been fine. I think it might be because I'm interviewing people all the time. I'm interviewing at least one person a day for different stories. Well, and it helps we have this too. Yeah, I help. I'm speaking to you for an hour a week. Yeah. It's like my uh, second psychologist appointment. Mm. But yeah, I'm doing fine. It's really interesting being freelance. It's not really what I thought it would be like in a good way. That's good. Yeah, so I'm enjoying it. It's fine. It's just I'm adjusting to it as I go. I still haven't even done a month yet. This is my. I'm going into my third week of freelancing. So now. it's only going to become more turbulent probably. Yeah, and it's just good to be able to write because when we were at Mamma Mia, I was editing a lot yeah. and I really miss writing. So I'm back to that now. No, I think there's a surprisingly little amount of writing that a lot of journalists actually get to do on a day-to-day basis. So yeah. sometimes I miss it too. Or the kind of writing that you love doing, which is kind of what you can do all day, every day now. Yeah, so now it's just thinking about what I actually want to write about and getting people to pay me for it. Yes, well, that's <laughs> half the struggle. Hey, so the big, mm, I would say biggest story of of pop culture this week was the Honey Badger starting The Bachelor because they did a press tour that involved every single newspaper, every single radio station and every single TV show in the country. As it always does. 
There's something about The Bachelor that has, uh, even despite it not getting the most viewers out of all the reality TV programs, it still, in my opinion, has one of the biggest holds on Australian culture. No, definitely. And it seems like the easiest show for them to sell because it's got such a core set demographic of people that watch it. Maybe it, it thought or it seemed, sorry, more overt and insidious and everywhere because the honey badger was quite transparent about how many interviews he was doing and how he was struggling yeah which i thought was i don't know kind of weirdly unprofessional in some instances (laughs) well it wasn't the only unprofessional it wasn't the only unprofessional thing you thought he did i mean you put this in our facebook group shameless celebrity gossip and you weren't super happy with what the honey badger was saying to different journalists no and different radio it kind of started with carl and jackie o as it always does because carl and jackie o are going to be the ones that ask the pretty crude questions oh you don't say i know right and so he did an interview with carl and jackie o earlier in the week maybe it was wednesday morning Mm -hmm. and he was talking a lot about sex and boners and but not in not in normal folk terms it was sort of he calls a boner something a a cattle dog couldn't chew through and he's talking about women in their tiny little bloody nighties and and I posted it in the Facebook group because I saw it and I thought "Mm, that's a bit gross I would be interested to hear what other people said and people were on the fence some people said I was being too sensitive some people said no mm, this is a bit gross and I was one of the people who said you were being too sensitive I think then Well, look, I think it's pretty even 50-50 split from that first interview that you put in that we read where he did talk about his boners and women and wanting to have sex with them when the producers wouldn't let him. And yeah, and not being allowed to have sex. And from those interviews, I felt like there's a bit of a distinction we need to make between being sexual and sexist. I think you can be crass and you can be rude and you can not really have a filter and be quite a sexual person who feels comfortable talking about that stuff. But penciling that down as misogynistic, I think is a mistake. Well, no one had penciled it down as misogynistic. I I think think that was the undertone though of what you were saying. People in the group were saying, oh, I feel uncomfortable about this or this is a bit sexist. That was the commentary. Well, I think what we need to do, and and it did get a little bit worse as he went on and as he started talking about oral sex and things like that. And I know when you say there is a difference between being crude and crass and being sexist, But I actually don't think there is much of a difference because I think it's quite a slippery slope, particularly in how you're talking when you are talking crass or crude. Because I think what we need to remember is that ideally, and how they're selling this to us, is that he is with one of these women at the end of the day. So he's just not talking about all of them. He is talking about a woman and he's talking about being crude and crass with this woman who is somebody's daughter, sister, friend. Well, I'm telling you now, I think those quotes actually indicate the opposite. I don't think he's with anyone. Which, 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 which I struggle with anyway, because the only thing that he seems to be able to talk about in these kinds of interviews is sex. And I am getting to this really early feeling that, that he can't really see women as anything other than someone he wants to date and have sex with. He doesn't seem like the kind of guy that would have a whole group of female friends because at the end of the day to him, women are sexual objects. Now it's not that overt. And I think that's why we need to be careful because people will be saying, sound a bit sensitive, but how we talk about women in really private conversations, whether it be boys around a table is directly informs how how we treat them much later in more serious. If we can't have respect for women when we talk about how we're having sex with them, then we can't have respect for women way down the track when it gets more serious. See, I don't know. I think he was talking about himself and the women in the same sexual crass terms. I don't think he was saying 
or just them and describing their nighties and describing what they were wearing. He was also describing his own penis in very crass no, terms. No, of course. But so I think it goes both ways. But they don't have right of reply. Yeah, but they're just he's just talking about them as things. It's not like he's talking about how he got to know them or their relationships. He's actually just talking about them, their bodies and them as objects. Well, it might just mean that he's not a monogamist. It might just mean he was the wrong guy for this. And we're going to find out. I mean, what, there will be eight weeks of this show and it will unravel however it unravels. But we have heard whispers in our own Facebook group from people who have seen him since The Bachelor that he's not exactly acting like a guy in a committed relationship. I am hearing that too in other circles. So it will be interesting to see if that actually comes out as true. I don't think he's sexist. I think he's just a bit crass. But let's move on from that because we probably disagree. Let's talk about Cassie Woods. Yeah, I struggled with this storyline a little bit because I struggle, I'm i struggling with The Bachelor in its entirety this year. And I don't know if it just comes down to the honey badger, but I think I'm just far more cynical. And I think when it comes down to Cassie Woods, who was, by the way, the young 23-year-old who knew Nick Badger from outside Nick Badger. That's Nick his, Badger. In, that's Nick his Instagram handle. Is it? Yeah. Oh. So, so confusing. Um, he knew She knew him before they went in. She, in every major news outlet this week was called the Stalker X. She had no freaking idea he was going to be on there. The producers knew. Do you think that? Absolutely. They would have found a way that she knew him and put her on there. Yeah. So do you think it's possible that they would have found her on Instagram? Yes. For extra drama and gone, look, he's going to be on this show. No. See, I think that's absolutely a possibility. I think you're being a bit naive. Well, either or, either they got her and didn't tell her. They would have found her. I have no doubt that they would have found her. Whether or not they told her it was him or not, I don't care. It's still so manipulative to put her in that scenario, knowing full where they're going to craft her as the as the crazy one. I agree with you to a point. However, I'm also getting really exhausted of always sympathizing with reality TV people. At the end of the day, you've got to take responsibility. How many reality TV shows are there out there? How long has this been going on for? Decades now that people have been being humiliated on reality TV and manipulated to appear to be a person that they say they're not how much are we going to sympathize with them anymore it's 2018 i think that's naive i think that's naive to assume that that everybody has the same kind of knowledge that we have working in the media and talking about these things all the time people watching might know that it seems to follow a similar formula but not many people are sitting there thinking that would be me if i went on the show Mm, i don't know i think we might be underestimating these people and how much agency they have in this i honestly think i know it sounds cruel and i know it sounds harsh but if you're going to go on a reality tv show in 2018 forward i don't think i can feel that much sympathy for you anymore because what do you expect like be smarter about it yes i don't think we're at a point where everybody knows to be smarter the more conversations we have about this give me a few years then i'll have i'll lack that sympathy but the way that these producers can physically chop up every single word and create sentences we all say well you can't force somebody to say something well you absolutely can because you can chop their words and And we play it in a different context and we know having watched some of the bachelor's series in the past without music and the early cuts that you can very easily tell how much they're cutting from this oh absolutely absolutely and I'm not saying that I think Cassie Woods is a stalker ex at all that's not what I'm saying I'm saying I don't know how much more sympathy I can continue to have for these people who continue to hand over all their power to producers you've got to be you've got to be more clever than that you do I think you are assuming that everybody has the same level of knowledge that you do and you I think you're totally underestimating how sometimes malicious and manipulative these producers and these shows can be. Well, I think I'm just recognizing that a lot of people go on these shows to find fame. And when you reach for that fame, you've got to accept that the downfall of that might be a bit of public humiliation. And that's it. 
I just don't think that any good kind of fame or longevity in the public eye is going to come from these shows anymore. I don't think it's, no. it's the same kind of thing. So maybe people will learn and maybe they won't be applying in the next few years. But I just think it's going to take us a while for everybody to get on that same page. Who do you think is actually going to win? Uh, Sports bets pegged Brittany, Sophie and Brooke as the front runners. For those who haven't watched, Brooke is an Indigenous football player. She's kick-ass and she's cool and calm and collected. Sophie is the one who was rumoured to have a boyfriend when she went onto the show, but pretty quickly squashed that. I think she was just slut-shamed. Yeah, she was just slut-shamed for having dared slept with someone. Before she went on the show. Before she went on the show. And Brittany is the one who found herself in Europe. We've all been there, Brit. No, just you and Kentucky. Just me, Kentucky, and a bottle of tequila. Uh, Brittany, I think, is probably most likely to be the winner because she's a bit of a dark horse at the moment, and they usually are. Brooke's too much of an early front runner, and to be honest, Sportsbet has never been wrong on this. Unfortunately, I'm sorry, as a spoiler, every apart from Nikki Goggin. Goggin? Goggin. I always do that. Was she still the front runner? You yeah. have to look early. You have to look before the first episode. No, it changed a favourite. before the, I don't know if she was before the start. Mm-hmm. Maybe after good. Yeah, yeah, because as the show goes on, everybody, normal people with no actual knowledge start putting their money on this and then it becomes <laughs> anyone's game. But if you look before the show started, it's usually far more accurate. Savage. So I think it's Brittany. Yeah, no, normal people with no knowledge. Get Done. out of there. I think it's Sophie. Okay. We'll talk in a few weeks. See you in eight weeks. And now it's time for the quick and dirty. As always, Mish, you are going to give us five stories from the rough and tumble of the news cycle that we may have missed this week. I am, I am. Now, the first story, it's not one that I thought I would be this invested in, and yet I am. The headline is, it's life. The Wiggles' Lachlan Gillespie finally breaks his silence on split from wife Emma Watkins and reveals he left their marital home months ago. That's from Daily Mail. Is there a reason you yelled months? Yeah, because it's in capital letters. Yeah. Classic DM style. So they split quite recently. Everybody was – I think a lot of people were taken by surprise by the fact they actually cared about this. I was one of them. I didn't read this article. What actually happened in terms of – did he – does it sound like he was broken up with? Yeah, it sounds like she made the decision, I think. But it was basically an interview of him continuing this ridiculous narrative that they've loved – they now love each other more than ever. He's still going with that. I kind of think that maybe he's on a bit of a publicity train at the moment. Mm, Why is that? Because I I read an article a couple of weeks ago how, um, and this is very gossipy, I must put it out there, about how she has been pretty public with her struggles with endometriosis and wasn't able to have kids and their relationship wasn't working because of that. And he came out straight away after that article and said, I loved her so much, she broke my heart. Mm. And I thought that was very peculiar timing. Now this is coming out. I wonder if he is trying to paint a particular picture of himself in the public eye, just saying that now. Interesting. Second story for the royal fans out there. Thomas Markle to launch fashion line in latest blow to Megan. Those are capital letters again there. Uh, That's from express.co.uk. God, this makes me sad. Yeah, I don't think it's actually true. I think Samantha Markle, who is Megan's half-sister, is just a bit of a, can I say, fuckwit. And I don't know what stopped you in the past. (laughs) I just think the entire family is a total embarrassment and they all need to shut up and go away. I feel like I've heard you say that a million times, but I'm going to agree with you. All right, story number three. It's time. Jennifer Hawkins confirms Maya split. That's from the Sydney Morning Herald. This is an interesting one. So Jennifer Hawkins was with Maya for 13 years, their their biggest face. There was reports that I didn't love when Elise Knowles signed on that Jennifer Hawkins was 
potentially a bit of a diva about it and couldn't, you know, be the face if there was somebody else like Elise Knowles on board. She didn't want to share the spotlight was basically the commentary that was around. I don't know if I agree with that, but regardless, Jennifer Hawkins posted a really lovely tribute to Maya when this all was announced. And I thought there's a reason that she is still one of the most successful models and entrepreneurs in the country because she's so professional. A bit of a bit just into Campbell. Like, did you read her Instagram post? Yeah, I did. I liked it. It was quite dignified. To be honest, I think this is a really clever move from Maya. I think Jennifer Hawkins was being paid over a million dollars a year. They're getting Elise Knowles, who has almost 900,000 Instagram followers for a hundred grand a year. I think they needed a fresher face too. Also, to be honest, I'm not sure how much it matters who's the face of Maya anymore. Do we really care about that stuff? I know that with social media brands, it's a big thing. For example, Steph Claire Smith being the face of uh, Bondi Sands is something that I know off straight off the bat. But I'm not sure that a massive organization like Maya, who doesn't really appeal to people our age as much as they do well, older. Well, then that's exactly the point. Why have they chosen Elise Knowles? I think it has more impact than you probably realize. And it's far more subconscious in terms of like a branding exercise. Well, you tell me who's the new face of David Jones? Um, See, you don't even know. No, but I, I would for sure because it's Victoria Lee, Jessica Gomes. Um, they brought Anwar Hadid in. Like, you know these things subconsciously. Maybe you, maybe you just care more about fashion so you know this. I don't know. I, think, I just think you can't discount them as pointless because brands are not this big and this stupid to throw that much money away at something that clearly doesn't work mm. and hasn't for years. So, I wonder what they offered Jennifer Hawkins and what she turned down. Uh, story number four, another royal one. Princess Eugenie's royal wedding security bill to cost taxpayers $3.5 million. That's from Nine Honey. Do you find these stories a little alarmist? I find them a little bit stupid because I think there have actually been uh, investigative stories looking at how much money the royal weddings and royal family bring in. That's what I mean. That's why I'm happy this one is in here because I think this is when I struggle with the media sometimes is that they're doing a story that they know is going to craft a reaction just for the sake of crafting a reaction when factually it's not actually correct. Like, you know, old old African gang stories. <laughs> Which is for another time. I but, love that you weaved that into our celebrity uh, podcast. I don't know how. But do you know, it, that this is when I struggle with the media and I'm glad this one's in here because you're absolutely right. It does seem that that is a small price to pay for something that generates far more than many would realise. Absolutely. There was a lot of commentary around when Meghan Markle and Harry got married that it was such a huge cost. But then it was very, very quickly realised that their wedding generated so much tourism and money and boosted that economy. And happiness levels. Yeah. Well, it boosted everything. Everything, like everyone cares. Uh, we wish we didn't care, but somehow we do care. Can't put a price on a smile. You can't. And I'm sorry, but 3.5 million, they're going to be making double that. All the businesses around that royal wedding, all of the royal memorabilia, all of the tourism that's going to be coming in again. Also, that's like a lot a, more. That's like the price of a house in Melbourne these days. So, yeah. You know, pocket money for some. Head over to Not us. <laughs> story number five, my last one. This is another bachelor story, which I'm keen to get your thoughts on, Zara. Deeply sorry. Bachelor contestant under fire over racial slur. That's from news.com.au. This has to be the most bachelor story to ever come out in the first week of The Bachelor. Yeah. So she used the N word and we're talking about who? We're talking about Shannon. Shannon. She's the skater girl from Melbourne. Yeah. So she's the one that introduced herself to Nick Badger, who I'm just going to call Nick Badger from here on out. Like, <laughs> so I skate. Yeah. I'm really weird. <laughs> it's like, oh my God. Yeah. That's so weird. I'm basically Avril Lavigne. <laughs> Where did she use the N-word before you go on to On Instagram else? in two different hashtags with a friend who was a person of colour. 
Okay. And apparently it was an inside joke. I was surprised initially that Bachelor producers didn't vet these Instagram accounts and then I realised they probably definitely would have seen this and left it because... Great PR. Free publicity. Um, A bit average, but a good lesson for a lot of people that these kinds of words can't be used willy-nilly regardless of the in-joke context you think you're using them in. Amen. Slam dunk. Thanks. All right. (laughs) That's it. For me. Yeah, that's it. All right. It used to be that cosmetic procedures were something people might consider in middle age, but would never admit to. But for an Instagram, YouTube, Snapchat generation, the taboos are gone. What you just heard then was a snippet from Monday night's episode of Four Corners, which looked closely at Australian influencers and their role in promulgating plastic surgery to their young followers. Three of the women the ABC journalists focused on were Sharni Grimmond, Lily Brown and Chloe Zepp, who have dabbled in Botox, filler and plenty of surgery. Zara, each year Aussies are spending over $1 billion, billion with a B, on cosmetic treatments. This is up. It's at the highest rate it has ever, ever been. How much do you think influencers like Shani, Chloe and Lily are responsible for that? I think it's a little like a babushka doll. You know those things? Yes. Yes. Because Curious I think to see it, where this is going. <laughs> because I think it probably started much higher than influencers. I think it probably started with the Kardashians and the old Kylie Jenners of the world. And I, I think that those women directly informed what, what high-profile influencers are doing because clearly why wouldn't you replicate something that's so popular? And from there, young girls are doing it. So I think it's a little more nuanced than, than just beauty influencers holding and carrying the brunt of responsibility for this. But regardless, it's really, really sad. And this Four Corners, if, if anyone in that Facebook group or any of our listeners haven't watched it, it's pretty confronting in terms of the... The, the lengths that they go to show these procedures. And I have a pretty weak tummy, so I start to close my eyes every so often. But I think that's exactly the point, And I would absolutely recommend people going off and watching this segment after this episode, I think. Yeah, I do really want to touch on the response that Lily Brown and Chloe Zepp shared this response as well. And I thought it was quite disappointing. So the girls, after the show aired, they took to Instagram stories and basically wrote this sassy post accusing the ABC not only of copyright for taking snippets of their videos that are shared online, which, by the way, girls, not copyright. The ABC is more within their right to use at least 10% of the content that you put out and use that in their investigation. And they basically said, we're honest about our surgeries. Don't know what the problem is. Jog on. I don't think you tell Louise Milligan of the ABC, who has won Walkleys for the stuff that she does, to jog on. Jog on, Louise. Like, who cares? I'm just sharing my plastic surgery journey. Who cares? Jog on. actually made me cringe. Like, I was embarrassed on behalf of them because I was like, how can you have no idea? Not only how serious this issue is, but how serious it is for the Four Corners and Louise Milligan to pick it up. Yeah. Well, first of all, they completely missed the point. Four Corners was not criticising them for being honest about their plastic surgery or accusing them of being dishonest. Four Corners was looking at the fact that 20-year-old women are promoting plastic surgery like it's the hottest new beauty treatment, and that is a problem because plastic surgery and cosmetic procedures and filler and Botox and boob jobs are not the same as lipstick and foundation, which you can all rub off at the end of the day. This glamorization of plastic surgery on social media is so screwed up, and that's what the ABC was looking at, and I'm Sorry, but Lily, Shani and Chloe all play a role in that. They are all absolutely at the front line of pushing this bullshit to young women. The majority of their audience is what, 15 and 16? 
Yeah, I would argue very young. And I think when you said their response is the most disappointing part, I think for me that was where what I struggled with the most because their inability to see the full picture is so frustrating and it speaks to ego so much that they can't see their face on TV and not say they're criticizing me rather than they're criticizing a system that I'm actively partaking in. Which and says profiting a, from. Which says a lot about the influence industry, I have to say. I, you're going to laugh at this, but... There's such a Donald Trump vibe to this. And I know you I, you just did. But this this idea, and I think there was a bit of back and forth on Twitter as well with Louise Milligan between some of the beauty influencers about how you can't trust the media anymore and this is why nobody likes the media. And there's such an arrogance and an ignorance in not knowing that not all media is made equal and that Four Corners is, I would argue, the most celebrated investigative journalism program that we have at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. And so when I say there's a huge Donald Trump vibe to it, the the complete distrust of the media, the inability to recognise when you've mucked up and the complete lack of responsibility and accountability that this just doesn't apply to you Mm. if you just disagree. And uh, I, I was just so frustrated, not just by the fact that they have been peddling a plastic surgery narrative to young girls, but the fact they just have watched something that's so serious and so powerful and have stood back and said, yeah, still not my problem. It is baffling to me and it continues to be baffling to me that these women can accept the money and the power and the privilege that comes from being an influencer. Yet as soon as it comes to the responsibility that comes with all those things, they're ducking and dodging and weaving and hiding. And I want to pull a parallel that PewDiePie, I'm not sure if you're across him. He's the biggest YouTuber in the world. Um, He is a guy out of Sweden. He now lives in London, but he's got probably 70 million followers on YouTube. And he often talks about the fact that his brand and his message is the equivalent to a media company's brand and message. In fact, in many of these cases, he is more powerful just in the content he puts out, it will be viewed by more people that day than the BBC, for example. So when Lily, Chloe and Shani are putting this stuff out, they need to accept that they're the new cosmopolitan. They're the new teenage brand publications putting this stuff out. And when you do that, you have a responsibility. If Cosmopolitan was going to our teenage girls or girlfriend or Dolly of any of those magazines and saying, look, guys, if you go to my uh, cosmetic surgeon, she'll give you great lip filler. And this is her code. And this is where you can find her. And by the way, I got my boob job done by Dr. Tav in Sydney. And by the way, this is where I get my jaw reshaped and where I get my nose filler done. All that stuff, if that was put in Cosmopolitan, parents would be rightly furious. It would be pulled off the shelves without doubt. If Cosmo has been pulled off the shelves for much less. Exactly. And they are the new Cosmo. These girls are the ones speaking to teenagers more than anything else. And the message they put out is built entirely on a platform of hotness and sex. That is the only thing they stand for. I, I'm sorry, if they're listening to this, I, don't, I watch all of your videos. I look at all of your content. I don't see anything other than hotness and sex and the odd, the odd story time about friends or... Um, drinking or whatever I don't see anything else what is your message to women other than be the hottest woman you can be and that's really all that matters and I think that they would argue that they don't have to be anything else because that's what they've built their followings on but what happens when you start out doing something is that you can be whoever you want to be when you are a little dog you can be edgy and crass and do whatever you want but the minute you actually get a following which starts your career a whole heap of responsibility comes with that and a lot of people haven't clued on I actually cannot think, and I would love for somebody to pick me up on this, but I cannot think of a time in history where so many unqualified people have platforms. 
And that's not always a bad thing. But in the past, when we had models wanting to spruik things, they always had to go through a middleman. They had to go through an agent or a magazine and they had to to find uh, a tunnel to send that message out. These days, they can communicate directly to an audience with no middleman because Instagram killed the middleman and that's what's killing us all now. Literally, because women are dying on the the cosmetic surgery table. Absolutely. And this is where I think they forget that they're making a transaction. When they're accepting those paychecks and those huge glamorous trips overseas and they're accepting all these endorsement deals they're forgetting that they're handing over responsibility they're all forgetting that and as soon as anyone tries to criticize them and I mean we've touched on this so much in the last few weeks because I think it really is reaching a pinnacle right now where it's unacceptable anymore and I'm sick of influencers dodging criticism And for the ABC to come out and criticize them and for them to tell them to jog on, it not only exposes these women as incredibly immature, but as women who need to really have a think and sit back and recognize that they are in positions of power and it's incredibly important to use that power for good. And at the moment, their legacy is nothing but sex. I agree with that. And when you say it's it's time for them to sit back and, and think about what their message is, they won't have careers if they don't do that. Like if they want to have a, a long career doing whatever they want to do, this has an expiry date if they don't actually get their shit together and sort out what the message is going to be. So a lot of young women who, who do have influence literally and figuratively might not think that that applies to them, but it absolutely does because you have an expiry date. Yeah. And I think that's what makes some of the influencers in Australia who aren't trends, you know, the influencers who are just steady, they steadily increase their following. They have a message other than, um, I think, in my opinion, the messages that people like Lily and Shani are putting out who give commentary on something else. Those women push women up and they empower women and there is you can tell that there's depth and there's meaning and there's uh really robust thought behind what they put out and they're quite conscious and responsible about what they put out but other influencers I just don't see that my other concern is and this is something that I've grappled with for quite a long time now is this idea that being open about plastic surgery is the best way that we can be about it because I don't think I agree with that at all I think the more we're open about plastic surgery and the more people say, I got this done and this done and this done, the more we're normalizing it. And then the more we're normalizing it, the more popular it's going to become and the more girls are going to be getting it. I'm also tired of of being critical of plastic surgery, but also having to affirm my position as a feminist because everybody says I'm getting plastic surgery and that in itself is a feminist act because I don't think it is one way or the other. I think I should toe, you know, be a bit smarter and and toe the line. You get plastic surgery and you you don't make that, that decision in a vacuum you are making that decision because society is telling you that's how you're the most beautiful and that's the the currency that you're using and that you have so I don't like the idea either that people are open about it I, I don't know if it's if it's actually healthier for us to be dead quiet about it see I don't know I would say it's tricky because I really hate the content that Lily and Shani and Chloe are putting out because on their videos they do things for example this is a direct quote from one of Lily Brown's videos in capital letters for everyone asking about my lips and then she gives the Instagram taggle of Megan something something on Instagram Shani Grumman promotes her breast surgeon whatever whatever the distinction I see is that some influencers do it well, and we're about to talk about Tammy Hembrow in the next segment, but I'll mention her here briefly. When she got breast implants, she told her followers, yes, I've had breast implants. I'm not going to make a video about it. This is just a one-off thing in a vlog that I'm going to tell you. I am not going to mention who my doctor is because I don't think it's relevant. I don't think you should be choosing a doctor based on my experience. I'm not going to be making a boob job 
vlog about it because I don't think my experience should influence your experience. And yes, I've had it done. So if you look at my photos and you think her boobs look really good, they're fake, but I'm not going to give you any more information other than that because it's not relevant. I like that. I do. And I think maybe we're looking at a scenario where there is no winning answer or there is no solution. But when I say maybe I'd prefer it to be quiet, I'm saying... I think it's much harder for us to go to young girls and say, don't get plastic surgery when everyone around them is talking about plastic surgery and getting paid to get plastic surgery, rather than going to young girls and saying, don't believe what you see. Like we say to them when we're looking at Photoshop, don't believe what you see because everybody has something done and nobody is as perfect as they look. I think maybe that's an easier message to sell than saying, hey, get that get that needle out of your face once it's already in there. Mm. I, I actually, I, I hate having these conversations and for us to not be able to come to some kind of con- conclusion or some sort of solution as to where to actually go next. But this is one of the hardest things that, that I think we've faced in a long time. I think right now it settles on influencers being far more accountable to their actions and being able to say after they see something like Four Corners, yeah, maybe I've really mucked up here. Maybe I actually have more power than I'm than I would like to admit. Yeah. Well, think about the amount of thought that goes into the publications that are given to these teenagers. And I think it needs to be similar for these women on YouTube and on Instagram. And I I hate to sound harsh and I don't want to sound mean because I don't want to sound like I hate these influencers because I don't. I actually think these women could be really lovely girls and I think they could be... I don't think you need to preface that anyway. But this is the thing because it's always framed as hate. And I'm not hating them. I'm hating the content they put out. And I'm within my right to do that. I think... It's really time for these influencers to smarten up, wise up, get your act together. And if they don't, like we just said, who knows what the next couple of years hold. Yeah. So firstly, I just want everyone to know that I'm okay. I've had a lot of concerned followers messaging me and um, asking if I'm just all right. So I just want to clear that up. That was the explanation 24-year-old fitness influencer Tammy Hembrow gave after a report surfaced this week that she was the young woman stretched from Kylie Jenner's 21st face down. Hembrow released a YouTube video explaining how jet-lagged she was after being taken into the ambulance and how subsequently embarrassed she has been about everything that's gone down on an international stage. Mitch, why do you think this story got so big? I think it's so big because she herself is so big, but she's big in a certain sphere which is Instagram. Tammy Hembrow, for those who aren't uh, aware, is a Queensland-based influencer who has almost 9 million followers, I believe. I think it's 8.6 Just at the a couple. moment. Just a few, a few people following her life. Uh, it's been an interesting year for Tammy Hembrow. She exploded last year and everyone really held her life up. As Not this... literally exploded. <laughs> her brand exploded last year and she was held up as this perfect ideal. She's a young mum of two kids. She was uh, with her fiancé, Reese, who is also a weirdly attractive human like Tammy is. And all of a sudden, 2018 rolled around. She broke up with Reese. That's been a very, very mussy... A mussy. A mussy. A very, very messy public breakup, despite what she would have wanted, I believe. And now this. So she's been partying with the Kardashians. She knows the Kardashians through Chloe. She works with Good American. She's one of the brand ambassadors, which makes this even more 
costly i think this experience has she her. been dropped from good america not yet but i don't think they would at the moment but i wouldn't mind betting that maybe they quietly face her or out just don't renew a contract for sure well they've literally just announced that she's the face of their jeans brand it would have been two three days before this incident okay, happened in they la no so she was stretched out she was vomiting a lot and she gave herself a black eye apparently by falling down and it was interesting to see this unfold because I know that Tammy often says, and she said this in an interview with E recently, that authenticity is the core value of her personal brand. I found it really curious that in the hours after this story surfaced that she was the person dragged out of Kylie's 21st, that everything was fine according to her Instagram account. She was shopping. She wasn't posting anything about Kylie's 21st. She almost wanted to give people the appearance that it was fake news and that the person on the stretcher wasn't her because she was out shopping with a friend and looking glorious and looking fine. And that was very, very interesting a very interesting exercise in PR to me that she would so carefully try to twist the narrative and convince fans that she wasn't there at all. Well, I think this is a really common, common response to a media storm. And when somebody finds themselves the media in the center of a media storm, sorry, there's kind of only one way that you can go about it. And that is to really quickly re- release an apology that basically says you lay on the ground and take all responsibility. Do not use any phrase that says, I'm sorry if you were offended, but you sort of need to nail it straight away and then it kind of goes. And that's kind of what happened with Tammy once she actually did eventually do a YouTube video after everybody kept asking that the story kind of did drop off very quickly, even though I know you're going to say people keep writing about her. They do keep writing about her, but not in a speculative way about the party. Do you know what I mean? There's a, there's an, there's an absolute difference. Yeah. Well, we know that this story has gone on and on and on. So, for example, the Daily Mail is fascinated with Tammy Hembrow. There have been no less than 28 stories between her first being identified as the person on the stretcher and today. So but, they're covering everything from who is Tammy Hembrow's mum? What does Chris Jenner think about her on the stretcher? Why was she faced down on the stretcher? But there's an absolute difference between the commentary that happened at the start, which was really, really negative about her being at the party, whether it was her, whether she was being dishonest about being at the party, and the commentary that's happening now, which is just publicity about her family. Mm, no, I disagree. It's a really negative connotation in those articles. All all talking about why was she face down in the stretcher, strongly implying that it wasn't just alcohol and jet lag like Tammy implied, and also implying that she's had a nose job and all these different plastic surgery procedures and comparing her three years ago or four years ago to today. No, I get that. I get that, that it's not, but it's not actually about the specific incident, which I think is what makes the story go away. And that's what we've learned time and time again with somebody in the middle of a storm is that to go back to my original point when you said it was interesting her first response was not to acknowledge it because regardless of how many times this happens somebody always thinks they're going to be able to get away with it without acknowledging it in every single instance I mean even Barnaby Joyce when Barnaby Joyce had an affair he thought he could make it go away no matter how many political scandals he had seen you just think you can make it go away you think you're going to be the anomaly when you never are so I think this story even for me, because I'm not a huge um, Tammy Hembrow consumer, has dropped off my radar almost completely. Mm-hmm. And I think for people that aren't obsessed with her, it has dropped off almost completely, which I think is the most important thing. 
because it was penetrating my radar. It was making the front page of the Sydney Morning Herald and I think that's when you know you're in trouble. Like you said, it was really interesting that she thought straight away that the lessons we know from storms didn't didn't apply to her straight away. Yeah, and there are two different lines of thought, I think, uh, with this. Some people think she was trying to dodge all... uh, coverage about it and make people think it wasn't her and people in our facebook group were saying this is fake she's not even in la she's out shopping this can't be real so there was a portion of uh her audience who strongly defended her in the hours after that happened and said there's no way that is tammy this is a complete lie go look at her instagram account then there's another group of people who think this could be a pr ploy so i do want to just give this a little bit of airtime because i'm not convinced but i do see why people are strongly pushing this Well, I think anytime someone makes a headline so consistently, it's worth asking the question. Yeah. So in the same week that she was stretched out from Kylie Jenner's 21st birthday party, she also did her very first video interview with E. Yeah. She also did, which is obviously E is connected to the Kardashians. It's kind of their... TV network, I guess, that all are keeping up with the Kardashians. And any exclusive story about the Kardashians will always be released on E's entertainment website as well. So not only do they carry the rights of keeping up with the Kardashians, but they have a pretty strong relationship there. Yes. She was also announced as being on the cover of Cosmopolitan here in Australia. And she, in the last month or so, has also launched her own fitness app for the first time ever, which rivals things like Kayla Itzini's app. Itzini's? Itzines. Itzinas. Itzinas. Their apps are in direct competition and Tammy is suddenly everywhere at the peak of her wanting to sell things. She is on covers of magazines. She's on YouTube getting 3 million hits for an interview she's done. She's on every newspaper being stretched out of this party. Her relevancy is at its absolute peak right now. And even though I potentially don't think there's any merit to this, it is a curious uh, little theory. Well, it definitely is. And I don't think any, I mean, I'm not a big believer in in the idea that all publicity is good publicity. I mean, this is coming from someone who's not a PR expert, but I just think I've I've seen too many times when people have had PR storms around them that that it hasn't actually helped their end game. So I think when it comes to this, I, I wasn't sure, but she's not selling herself as a clean cut mum anymore. She's selling herself as uh, an influencer with an app, someone who wants to be on E. So it's not it's not out of the realm of possibility. I just think it's it's better having the Kardashians on your side for PR than not having them on your side and they've all unfollowed her on Instagram. All except for Chloe and Kylie. I think the reason I don't believe the PR theory is because it's not in Tammy Hembrow's interest as a health and fitness influencer to be viewed vomiting, yeah. leaving a party. I think that's really clear uh branding message that she wouldn't want to put out into the world i also think uh, videos that have emerged of her smoking and rumors of other not exactly healthy habits and she wouldn't want that she wouldn't want that out she wants everyone to think that she only eats organic food and goes to the gym every day a week and does crunches before she goes to bed which says a lot to me about even still the dangers in crafting yourself with the perfect brand or being the perfect person and the aspirational kind of brand and how damaging it is because you set yourself up to fail. I think we've had this conversation a lot in that any public woman in the public eye, and this is terrible that it's like this, but the minute you brand yourself as a feminist, you have so far to fall because there are so many things you could do that people could consider anti-feminist. So you're much better off just acting as a feminist rather than saying you're a feminist. It's the same as a perfect brand. You're much better off not 
putting this perfect image out there, having some chinks in your armor so that when stuff like this happens, it's, you know, it's in tune with your brand. If yeah. Chrissy Teigen did this, it would be bad, but not the end of the world. It would almost be funny if Chrissy Teigen did this. I'm sure she'd find a way to make it funny. Yeah, I think the biggest downfall out of this story for Tammy will be that the Kardashians have a very squeaky clean rep, despite everything. I know that uh, Chloe had a DUI years and years ago, like over a decade ago now, but since then, think about it. You never see the Kardashians in a compromised no state of mind you it's never see them got everyone in a chokehold yeah but i don't think they actually they do not uh put themselves out there as party girls they don't they no. don't ever talk about drinking they don't ever ever talk about drug taking i think the problem with tammy now being viewed in the public eye and i'm putting inverted commas around this word as a messy woman that's one of the worst things you can be in the public eye, according to today's society. I don't agree with that. But even Reese, her ex, put out a disgusting Instagram story, which was clearly about Tammy, saying that he dodged a bullet because she left this party vomiting. And it's sad, but I think we often view, we look down to women who don't have their shit together. And as someone who puts herself out there as the perfect young mum who has a Mercedes Benz and lives in this glorious mansion and always looks hot and amazing in whatever she wears – this is a big problem for her brand now that she's now put out this image of not being together and being a party girl. That's not what she wants. No, not at all. I think I agree with you that the worst thing a woman can be, although actually there's a lot of bad things a woman can be, but one of them is a messy woman. But I don't know if it's as gendered as we might like to think. I, it reminds me of Scott Disick a bit when Scott and Courtney broke up and he went off the rails and everybody sort of rolled their eyes at him because it was like, get your shit together. Why aren't you together when you've got these kids? So of course it's more unfair and we're far harsher when it comes to women, but I don't think it's as, as as black and white as we would like to think. With Tammy, I wonder how she's going to take this next, if she's going to be posting more with her kids or less with her kids. Because if she's posting more with her kids, then she's playing into that perfect mum brand. If she's not, then maybe she's just going to ride this wave out as someone who is a little more complicated than she has pretended to be for a while. And maybe that's a smarter way of going about it. Mm. I just think it's so sad that Reese Hawkins chooses to deal with the mother of his children via Instagram stories as well. I was really disappointed yeah. to see that. I know these guys are young. They're our age. They're both 24, I'm pretty sure. Reece he's certainly be... not the first person to have ever no, he's not. dealt with a breakup like this. He's not. But I just think the dodged a bullet message, it just it was really upsetting, honestly. I think it's quite nasty. And I it's think totally it's... vindictive. Yeah. I would hate to – actually, I would quite love to know the ins and outs of that relationship breakdown as to what led him to post that because it clearly was something that hurt him a lot. I I, I don't think it's great that he posted that, but I don't have the same level of disgust for it because I, would do, I do wonder what went on behind closed doors, the kind of load that he might be carrying as, you know, with the children as she's out there with the Kardashians partying. It's fascinating to see someone who 12 months ago was held up as the ideal family and to look at where they are 12 months later. As we've said so many times before, it's a great reminder that Instagram is not reality. It is an alternate universe, Instagram, and it doesn't indicate anything. Not a thing. In fact, usually the opposite. That's my that's my line of thought. If someone's posting too much about how happy they are, I think you're... You know, They're miserable. <laughs> absolutely. And then that's how I get through life. Hey, thank you so much for joining us for episode 24. Before we go, oh, I almost didn't come and say that. I think yeah. I just moved across the room. Before we go, we're a little independent podcast. It is Zara and I sitting here with a table and three biscuits that her mum bought to us because she is an angel. Um, so if you love Shameless and you want to help us grow, please, please, please tell a friend. Uh, you guys have been so amazing. We've seen so many people put stuff on their Instagram story this week and really share the love. And we cannot tell you how much that helps us. So even if you could 
take a selfie while you're listening to this and put it up on your Instagram story. That gets the word out there and that helps us more than you could realize. Apart from that, click subscribe on Apple Podcasts or leave a review or even invite people to the Facebook group. The Facebook group is going bloody off at yeah, the moment. Yeah, it's a really great place to be. So if you aren't in there, get in there. Just search for Shameless Celebrity Gossip on Facebook. It is quite a tongue-tie. Tongue-tie, tongue-twister, one of the two it when is. you say it out loud. But yeah, you'll find it straight away. Come and join us. We will probably approve you. No, I'm kidding. You'll be in. Um, Or like Mish said, you can come and find us on Instagram. We will be back next week for episode 25. That is older than we both are. Oh, my God. We've exceeded our own age. I know. Kind of. Not really, but sure. (laughs) And yeah, we'll talk to you guys then. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. Oh, hi. It's Annabelle Lee and Louis Hansen here. We are your hosts of Everybody Has a Secret. Woo! Woo! We are here essentially just to let you know that we drop episodes every week now. Every damn Friday morning, we are in your ears. That is so exciting. What a time <laughs> to be in your ear holes. So essentially, each episode, we unpack the real life secrets of our listeners. So this is for everyone who loves, you know, just a little bit of gossip in mm-hmm. their lives, which, let's be real, Annabelle, is all of us. It's absolutely all of us. Don't lie. You all love gossip. So if you want to listen to our show, please do head to your favourite podcast app and listen now. See you there. Bye. 